Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show where I collect my favorite stories and ideas across InfoSec, technology, and humanity, and talk about why they matter. You can subscribe to the companion newsletter, which also functions as a show notes, at danielmeisler.com newsletter. All right, welcome to episode 60, coming off of CES. And I uh, did a microphone upgrade, but I don't have a digital interface yet, so I've got a little bit of noise in the mic that I'm going to have to fix in post-production, but hopefully won't be too noticeable. I'm going to start off, as usual, with InfoSec News. The Office of the Director of National Intelligence, DNI, has released a strongly worded report basically saying that Putin did target Clinton and attempted to get Trump elected. The FBI has been using Best Buy employees as informants for illegal content found on computers. So that kind of makes a lot of sense, right? If you need to get access to a lot of computers and you want to look for illegal content, like, I don't know if it's just, uh, you know, certain kinds of porn or if it's, you know, weapons related. I'm not sure what all they're looking for, but if you need to get access to those systems, makes sense to go to a place that has the most access, which is Best Buy and the Geek Squad. So it looks like they had people potentially on staff and or were paying people there to uh, dig deeper into systems than they otherwise would have. IBM has released a study on ransomware payouts in 2016 found that over 70% of companies paid the ransom with half paying more than $10,000 and 20% paying more than $40,000. Ransomware is, continues to get big uh, just simply because it works so well. The Ukrainian power grid was hacked again, likely by Russia. And evidently the attacks feel a lot like testing or demonstration basically trying to see what those capabilities are and sort of stretch the muscles, potentially for something bigger somewhere else or there. Thousands of publicly facing MongoDB databases have been deleted and ransomware notes have been left in their place. But what's sort of happening that's kind of crazy is attackers are stealing each other's ransom notes. So people who pay the ransom aren't necessarily getting their files back. Homeland Security has labeled election systems as critical infrastructure after the all this drama with the Russian stuff. I would have thought it would have already been critical infrastructure. There are new claims, this is very, very hot right now, uh, that Russia's been working with Trump um, sort of indirectly for like five years now. And they actually have a lot of compromising information supposedly with related to prostitution and all sorts of embarrassing things. And the idea is that this could be used to influence him. Uh, it's definitely bad if it's true because he's going to be president and Russia has all this leverage on him. But it also seems to me like Trump is really hard to control by saying, I'm going to embarrass you. seems like that's what the Democrats tried and it did not work. So, I mean, they could release prostitution videos and he could rise in popularity for all we know. 
but still an interesting story to follow. The FTC is hosting a competition to find a product that can secure home IoT systems. The winner gets 25000 and will be announced the end of July of this year, 2017. Police are now starting to ask for Amazon Echo data uh, for investigations. So all those devices that you have in the house are basically listening. They're not only listening, they're listening all the time and sort of rotating those recordings. And the question is, based on the device you have and the service that it's backed by, where are those recordings going? Uh, what is the system by which law enforcement can ask for access to those recordings? These are all questions that are going to become quite important in the next, uh, next few months and years. A project called Hyperface looks to confuse facial recognition software through the use of specialized patterns on clothing and accessories. Pretty interesting. Basically, it looks like uh, camouflage. It's got like, you know, splotches and that sort of thing that uh, just breaks it up. There was a, another related story a while back where you could actually put on glasses and you would register as like a celebrity just because of what they would put on the glasses. Technology news. I created a summary for my trip to CES. Basically talked about uh, some trends and also some observations. So I got that link there. Apple missed its growth targets and the board lowered Tim Cook's salary significantly as a result. Pretty harsh. Strange that they would do this publicly and kind of embarrass him. Thought that was a little weird. Atlassian, most known for Jira, has acquired Trello for $425 million. Yahoo has changed its name to Atlaba, Altaba, I think it's Altaba, in preparation for being purchased by Verizon. So, uh, Marissa Mayer has left and a bunch of other management is now gone. It's basically fragments of Yahoo and they changed the name. I think mostly to make people forget that it used to be Yahoo. Ford is integrating Amazon Alexa into its cars later this month. Uh, I have to tell you, Alexa was a massive, massive influence and star of CES. Basically, everyone was talking about Alexa integration. I didn't hear much of anything about Siri or Google now. It was all, all about the Alexa. Having beat humans at chess and Go, a CMU team is now working to make AI beat humans at poker as well. So this is a game that humans still win at, but uh, seems to me like that won't last too much longer. Alarm.com is selling drones to check on things that go bump in the night both inside and outside the house. So you're inside your living, your uh, bedroom, you know, upstairs or whatever, and you hear something you think might be downstairs. You pick up your phone and you have your drone go and check it out. You know, it can shine lights or whatever. I imagine if someone swats the drone or slaps it down or whatever, you know, to, you know, call the police and get your gun out or whatever. But uh, interesting that you could use drones for this. <clears throat> Although I'm not sure why you would just, not just turn on a camera that's downstairs to see what's going on uh, versus using a drone. I guess if you have some giant mansion and uh, 
you don't have camera coverage and you need drone coverage. Um, you could also do it outside the house. So it's kind of inside and outside. But uh, interesting concept. DJI, the maker of the Mavic drone, has purchased the photography company Hasselblad. I think I'm pronouncing that right. It makes a lot of sense because so much of what drones are doing is photography based. People are putting 4K, I saw a 5K camera on uh, one of the drones at CES. NVIDIA is now offering a new cloud-based high-end gaming service. This thing is completely crazy. So and you used to have to basically constantly upgrade your high-end PC to have the best video card and the best processor and the most RAM and everything in order to run the best games. So what NVIDIA is doing is you can now run the best games on their best systems, their GPU intensive systems in the cloud. And you actually get streamed a video stream of the content. There's a little bit of delay. So they said pro gamers won't want to do this. They'll need to just stay with the high end gaming systems. But if you're, you know, low to mid end and you don't have a high end PC or you have a Mac, you can actually use this, run the service in the cloud and uh, get access to all the best games. So uh, really cool. There's also a related service, uh, I think it's called Shield, NVIDIA Shield, where you, um, you actually subscribe to the service and you get tons of games, including the licenses. So you could just like play the game in the cloud, not worry about licenses, not worry about installs and uh, just uh, use your system as a client basically. Trigger Finance is a new service that lets you know when news breaks about your stocks. So they got all this press because of Trump uh, basically saying, you know, he's going to come after a company or he doesn't like what this company's doing and the stock would, you know, crash. So the idea is you would get an alert and you could short your stock very quickly and uh, hopefully make some money if you do it fast enough. Human News. 34 Japanese white-collar workers are being replaced by AI and life insurance company. So the project uses IBM Watson and it's actually replacing workers that do insurance payouts, reviewing patient medical histories, factoring in injuries, whatever. Uh, it's basically replacing knowledge workers, right? Not just manual labor employees. A lot of people think, oh, my job is not vulnerable to this, but uh, they need to reevaluate. Researchers discover that video games satisfy human needs in people, basic human needs, fundamental human needs, and aren't just pure fun. So uh, the research is pretty interesting, but I, I think any gamer could have kind of told you this, that, uh, you know, there's lots of different types of validation. There's social validation, there's achievement, there's, you know, pushing for goals or whatever, especially if you get hardcore into it and you're like a guild leader or something, and you're managing like 40 people trying to do something really hard. Um, I think this is even more important than uh, most think it is because I, I think a lot of our value, human value is going to switch to being inside games. When regular meaning and regular value is diminished by machines being able to do so many things, and we're kind of given everything, I think we're going to search for value inside of games. 
and this is uh, this is going to be critical to understand how those uh, those meaning structures map from reality into uh, virtual reality and into gaming worlds. Ebook sales are down, but print and audiobook sales are up. Interesting. All right, ideas. I wrote a post. Uh, wrote a post last weekend uh, while I was at CES. Uh, basically called "If You Believe Nothing, You Can Be Convinced of Anything," and it's uh, about a problem in Infosec right now, where Infosec is basically saying, "I don't believe any of this narrative from the U.S. government. I don't believe that Russia hacked anyone because you know they're just embarrassed about the political situation." Or they have no evidence, or they didn't show me any evidence, therefore I don't believe anything. And I'm really frustrated by it, because it's one thing to be skeptical, and it's one thing to doubt authority, especially when they've misled you in the past. But it's a whole other thing to equally weigh a narrative from the RT network and from Putin's PR arm, basically, with all of the combined narratives of what's going on with our government, right? So you have the DHS, you've got the DHI or whatever that other group is, you got NSA, you got CIA, you got everyone saying that, yeah, we, we see tons of evidence, this is Russia. You got people like the Gruck, you've got Brian Krebs, you've got all sorts of people looking at tons of this stuff and saying that, yeah, uh, it was Russia, and it's very obvious why they did it, what reasons, uh, the techniques that they used very much emulate what we've seen in the past. But so many in security are like, I just can't trust the government. So what I'm basically saying here is, look, if you can't trust anyone, if you see all input sources as being the same, then you, you can't really believe anything. I mean, you're just going to be screwed. I mean, if, if you believe Julian Assange and, and Putin, the same amount that you believe your own government about something so obvious, right? You're basically discarding the most important tool that you have, which is common sense. It's even more important than being skeptical. Being skeptical is critical, but if you discard common sense, then you're just going to be lost. You're going to believe nothing, which means you believe everything. And that's kind of a state that we're in right now with these narratives, especially what Trump is doing. Um, he, he could basically say anything and get people to believe it. Millions and millions of people, tens of millions. And uh, it's just not healthy. It's not healthy. All right. Client Network Studio, deconstructing the digital content game. This is an essay I wrote about trying to figure out where the digital content game is going. I'm not a big media person, but uh, this is basically abstracting away the client that you view digital content with, the network, which is like the internet that it goes over, uh, the content creator, the studio that creates the new content. I think these three pieces, along with the distributor, which a reader actually reminded me of, um, they make up the main components of the future of digital content. And these cable companies and the big media companies and the networks, they need to figure out where they are in this game because their, their old game is not gonna work anymore. 
Black Mirror made some mistakes in their excellent uh, rating system episode. So they did a really cool episode on uh, reputation rating systems. And uh, it, it was it was fascinating. It was basically one... Uh, I'll give a little bit of a spoiler. It's not too big a deal. It won't, won't ruin it. But you basically look at people and you see a rating on top of them. One rating. And it goes up or down based on the interaction with that person. And it's basically, of course, Black Mirror is a dystopia. And they're basically saying, oh, this is how rating systems, if they happen... This is what will come to pass. And uh, I talk about rating systems in my book uh, in, a, in a chapter called Reputation Infrastructure. And the, the key point that they missed is that um, you don't have to have a bad situation with ratings, right? It, in other words, if you have a bad government that's totalitarian in nature, um, if you have like the the China system where they're trying to set up this thing to incentivize to control people, well, that's going to be bad with or without tech. I mean, you you could have you know shovels and and hose and and uh, you know no tech whatsoever. It could be completely agrarian and uh, I don't know ludite, and you could still control people. You could still you know be dystopian. Uh, the tech can take us towards utopia. The tech can and will take us towards dystopia. But um, what's going to determine that is not the tech itself. It's going to be it's going to be determined by the people and the governments that and the interactions between them. So um, the way I write about reputation infrastructure is that there will be hundreds of ratings. And what the episode didn't get is that some of the ratings will be authenticity. Uh, how genuine you are, whether or not you're trying to game the system. People will know and, and can tell when you're being fake for the for the whole point of being fake. And uh, that will be discouraged by the system. So, I mean, think of it more like evolution and a market economy with these ratings. Uh, they'll, they'll be useful and they will thrive. Um, and if the government becomes all-powerful and evil and nasty, then the tech will be used to make it even more all-powerful and evil and nasty. And if the government is, uh, you know, of the people by the people, which hopefully we had more in that direction, then uh, the rating infrastructure will act more like a market and uh, people will get rid of the parts that they don't like and they'll enhance the ones that they do. So... Bottom line is it doesn't have to go bad in that direction. It will if you have a Chinese government. It won't if you have, you know, government of Sweden or whatever. Universities have become high-cost trade schools for the rich. This is an interesting idea, and I've got a link there. to. Uh, it's not my essay. It's someone else's, but good stuff. Uh, another essay here, not mine. Alexa is Amazon's operating system play. I really like this. I mean, like I said before, Alexa was just all over the place at CES. The The interaction with Alexa is just so good because of uh, how good the microphones are. I mean, people don't realize that how much of this is a hardware issue, right? They have so many directional microphones. And uh, you could just sort of talk to it naturally. It, one, one thing is you could say the keyword at the same time that you're doing the question. So you could say like, 
Bob, turn on the lights, right? And that's a natural way. With Siri, you have to say, Bob, wait for it to respond and then give a command. It's very unnatural. So Alexa is just winning at like the natural sort of interface thing, which is actually another chapter in the book, is, uh, you know, the, the degree to which you emulate normal human behavior is going to determine how successful an AI technology is. And uh, Alexa is just killing that. And so many other, I can't believe that. Wow. That's, that's her going off. You hear this? This is tyranny. This is the dystopia we were just talking about. Not really. <clears throat> All right. Where was I? Oh, that reminds me. I actually didn't put this in the newsletter, but I need to add it. Um, I did a, a piece about attacking digital assistants. So basically, and, and actually someone came out and did it right after uh, I posted the thing. And my buddy uh, Jason uh, tweeted out and he was like, oh, you're so right about this. But um, basically, I'm like, hey, why don't you go up to a reporter? Like, let's say this uh, Amazon platform, which I won't say her name because she'll interrupt us again. But uh, let's say someone is doing a nine, nine o'clock a.m. Eastern time report uh, for CNN or Fox News or whatever. And someone just runs up behind him and they're like, hey, um, order this, right? Or turn off this or turn on this or change the air conditioner to this. Well, how many people are playing that over their TV? And how many people's TVs are within voice range of their um, Amazon device? Well, probably a lot. And the more people that get one, the more true this becomes. So, uh, and I also put a whole bunch of different use cases for how to attack digital assistants, like how you can get them to attack each other and all this kind of stuff. But uh, evidently, like a couple days after that, a woman said that, right? It actually was a reporter. She was the actual reporter. And um, she said right into it, order this thing. And uh, evidently, a, a bunch of orders were made because that, that's how Alexa works. So just some of the implications of having these devices all over the place. And uh, being able to talk in a reporter's microphone to millions of homes at the same time you connect these together, each one of them, not such a big deal, but you connect them together and suddenly you have a, a surface area for attack. Pretty interesting stuff. Um, and I have the link, I will add it shortly here to, uh, to the newsletter for um, my article on attacking digital assistants. Um, next idea, what I wrote about the first iPhone weeks before it was released it was released. So 10 years ago, uh, I wrote a whole bunch about the iPhone. I was all excited about it before it came out. And uh, what I was really excited about was how simple it was going to be and how elegant and how few things it was going to do, but it would do it in a clean sort of design way. And I wrote like three or four articles about it. I was actually debating with my buddy about it at the time. He said it was just going to be a wreck and it was going to be lame and no one would like it. And uh, that sort of thing. We were actually kind of fighting about it at the time. But um, 
yeah, interesting to sort of look back and, and read those. I, I I think it was relatively prescient in in terms of being able to see where it went because Apple absolutely did focus on that and they dominated on it. Um, I, I don't think it's so much the case now that uh, that they're really differentiating on that. I, I think they're still more simple and more elegant, but it's not like night and day like it was when it launched. I remember taking the first one uh, around right after I got it from an AT&T store the first time I camped and uh, people were just blown away by it. Um, I can't imagine how like behind that device would feel if I were to uh, mess with it now. Didn't have 3G, it didn't have, like it was just slow, it was just, it was so bad, but it was so far ahead of everything else, it's crazy. All right, Discovery. Uh, great piece by the Gruck that explains why you should accept that Russia did in fact hack the DNC and do their best to get Trump elected. Gives a complete blow by, blow by blow of the history, right? The attempt, uh, Russia getting caught uh, by CrowdStrike, uh, sort of the cover-up, which is the the Goosefire thing. They pretended that they did it and it wasn't Russia. Turns out that was actually a Russian uh, campaign. And then sort of where we're at now. It's really, really good link. And uh, if you have any lingering doubts, um, what I talked about before combined with this should hopefully put those uh, to rest. Um, I updated the OWASP IoT project with a new sub-project called the IoT Logging Events Project. Uh, it gives minimum recommendations for what people should be logging from their IoT devices. And this is consumer, enterprise, you know, ICS, SCADA, whatever. Uh, did a cool post on how to move to Vim 8.x and use native configurations for plugin management and status line instead of using like Pathogen and uh, Powerline, which is Python. So I basically massively upgraded my Vim infrastructure because uh, I redid my box. And now I'm on Vim 8. I'm using native plugin management. I'm not using any sort of third-party piece like that, uh, which I was using Tim Pope's uh, Pathogen before. And also um, I'm using Vim Airline to do my status line instead of Powerline, which is Python. So it's just like lighter, more native. Um, redid my whole theme, like feels great. You should check out the post. Um, pretty sick. I just, I don't know. I, I like Vim a lot. I guess I should stop talking about it. Um, high interaction honeypots with Sysdig and Falco. This is pretty cool. You basically take um, honeypot, you have people interact with it, but you take the memory image and you can actually sort of move around and see what they did, what commands they ran, uh, how memory was affected. Uh, it's basically forensics for honeypots. Really cool. Uh, Inv Invtero, I, I can't figure out how to pronounce this. Uh, my buddy Shane, who also works at IOActive with me, wrote this awesome software. Um, basically, the description is find, extract processes, hypervisors, including nested hypervisors, in-memory dumps using microarchitecture independent virtual machine introspection. That is a mouthful, but uh, it is super cool. Here's the basic idea. You take memory dumps and you could tell if that box is compromised. And um, he's using some really sick techniques to um, 
to use reverse engineering uh, sort of options to break down the file system um, in this image to determine whether or not you have malware there and whether or not uh, you know, you've been rooted in some sort of way. Really fascinating project. It's by my uh, friend Shane um, at IOActive, and I got a link to the project. You should definitely check it out. Got a link to the top 16 A16 podcasts of 2016. It's a lot of 16s in that sentence. Um, and then the top 16 A16, A16Z posts of 2016. So the top 16 podcasts and posts from A16Z. Whew. Glad I got through that. Um, the most comprehensive CES summary that I've seen. I got a link to that. Just got done reading it. It was fantastic. And a Deloitte infographic of trends in tech, media, and telecoms. Pretty good read. And uh, notes, notes section. My book, The Real Internet of Things, is available on Amazon. Got uh, a review came in and uh, got five stars. That was cool. If you guys want to check out the book, uh, I would appreciate it. Um, and if you have some time, I, I would uh, love if you could do a review as well. That would be awesome. See here, uh, finished reading Naked Economics by Charles Whelan. Just a fascinating book. I, I, economics, just blowing my mind. Absolutely blowing my mind. Um, I learned so much from this book. I'm going to read it multiple times. And I'm going to be doing a summary uh, very soon. And I'm about to start reading The Dictator's Handbook. Why Bad Behavior is Almost Always Good Politics. So eager to get into that. Uh, recommendations, spend no more than 10 minutes a day on Facebook, if that. I've been doing this for, I don't know, months. Sometimes I read too much. I, I get pulled into a thread or whatever. But in general, I could go a couple of days without reading Facebook. And uh, it's just, it's healthy, in my opinion. I mean, it's so much more healthy to be focusing on your own projects what you're reading, what you're writing, and just being creative uh, instead of consuming. And it's it's not just that you're consuming, it's just you're consuming from the toilet, basically. I mean, it's just bad way to spend time. But anyway, this week's aphorism. My feeling is that as far as creativity is concerned, isolation is required. That's by Isaac Asimov. All right, that's it for the episode, and uh, see you next week. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget, you can get the show notes for this episode, including all the news, ideas, and links, in the companion newsletter at danielmeesler.com slash newsletter. And if you like the show, please share it with a friend or on social media. I'll see you next time.